You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Tanya Pinkins. Welcome back to You Can't Say That and part two of my conversation with Bop Osley, City Council President of Indianapolis, Indiana. Is poverty very high in, in Indianapolis? Unfortunately, it is. One out of 20 in the city of Indianapolis, I'm sorry, one out of five in the city of Indianapolis, 20% of our population is considered by federal standards as poor. And do you have a lot of Walmarts there? Uh, Not a lot of Walmarts, no. Uh, But we do have the Walmarts here. um, And we've got a lot of devastation from COVID and the closing of businesses. Um, Here's something else. We also have a lot of abandoned properties that we own, you know, surplus properties. And so we have a new treasurer coming in who just got elected, uh, who is of a like mind, that we've got to find ways to put those, those properties back on the tax rolls with people who live in those communities. And how do we, how do we prioritize them uh, as either as uh, owners or you know, bidders and so on? We have an issue also with gentrification here. And because, as I said, we don't have home rule, we cannot mitigate property taxes in areas that are undergoing you know, rapid reinvestment. So, so now, we, I don't, now I don't understand what home rule is. Tell me what home rule is now. I don't really understand. Um, meaning that um, when it comes to like our, our, our taxes, uh, property taxes, our, our income taxes, we have limitations that are put on us by the state. And the state can say, no longer are you allowed to. In fact, if we want to raise taxes, they gave us a they, they've given us a limit. You can raise taxes from zero point zero zero something to to you know, one point something. Right. If we ever wanted to go beyond that, we have to get permission from the state. We cannot. From the governor is that the governor? No, the state legislature. But the governor, okay. but the governor signs off on it. So, the, there was a there was a year, for example, um, uh, when uh, I'm trying to think when we wanted to stop, like I think it was a smoking ban, and and we couldn't do that independently without without permission from the state. I mean, there were a number of things that the state has to basically say. If they say no, you can't. Do, oh, how's this? Ban the box, right? We, we created the first band of box policy in the state of Indiana, which basically meant if you want to do business with the city of Indianapolis, right, you as a company have to eliminate the box on your application forms. Now, we don't have a $90 billion budget like New York City does. We have a one point something billion dollar budget. But however, it is a billion dollar budget. So if you want to do business with the city of Indianapolis, you have got to remove the box on your application forms that ask about criminal history. At least on that first interview, there are to be no questions about it. If, if the person is, if you call them back for a second interview, it's open season. 
but you're not making the determination and using that checkbox as a default, you know, or as a proxy for you to weed out those folks who you, you think may be undesirable. So the state intervened in year three and said no municipality, no unit in government in the state of Indiana can adopt a bound the box policy. Just like that. Just like that. So even the city of Indianapolis, we had begun to hire in the hundreds of uh, in the hundreds folks who have criminal records because you, you have no idea what was behind that criminal record. I could have gotten that criminal record for, for reckless driving. Right. It does not mean, however, that I'm not an ace when it comes to accounting. But you won't hire me because I don't know how to drive. Don't, don't hire me then as your as your as your delivery person, because, you know, that's a bad move. Right. But you basically have eliminated all of that talent. It's ridiculous. So the state basically, because we don't have home rule and can determine then our own policies and stand on them, the state can say, no more, you're not allowed to do it. That's home rule. So how can Indianapolis, the city, the capital city, get home rule? It would require a legislature that would permit that in, you know, in perpetuity. And we don't so have- So you have to are, get more people who are Democratic on the legislature? Exactly. Out of, out of 50 state senators, we only have 11. <laughs> How about that? So we are in the super minority in both chambers uh, in the state house. We are in the super minority in both chambers. Okay, so who's working on that? Um, we tried. We tried this election. I mean, we did get an additional senator. It took us from ten to eleven, right? <laughs> it, it it's a slow process. It just takes. It takes folks understanding that. Um, we're not. We're not socialists. We're not as a body trying to defund the police. All of those things that they threw on us to try to marginalize our voices, to say these are radicals and irrational people and so on. It requires us to have a steady pace with a steady argument that we are for sound policy. And we come in all ranges, not just in terms of color, but in terms of ideology from, you know, from conservative to moderate to liberal. So, so I'm not a politician and I don't think I could ever be a politician because I'm too blunt. So, you know, my idea and, and you can tell me why my ideas are wrong. I just feel like if any government just made sure that all the people in their, you know, under their jurisdiction had home and food and work, then, you know, everybody would just be good. We wouldn't even have to have Democratic and Republican because people would just be taken care of and they would feel like my government takes care of me. I mean, that's sort of how the Norwegians speak about, you know, having royalty. They feel a little delusional to me too, but what keeps us as different jurisdictions from just taking care of the people within the borders of your jurisdiction? Um, because then we get labeled with that, uh, uh, with that title that most people don't even understand. Look at those socialists. They're trying to take money out of your pocket, your hard-earned money, to go feed those people who should be working anyway, et cetera, et cetera. Well, see, now, labor is the only thing that makes capital. Okay, labor makes capital. Why should Walmart be able to pay people money that requires them to still have to get welfare oh. and food stamps? Why oh, do we let that happen? I'm sorry. When I mentioned a moment ago, smoking man, it wasn't smoking man. It was minimum wage. When we tried to implement a minimum wage here in Indianapolis. Oh, oh, that hand slap still stings today. So when you talk about the minimum wage thing, we would love to be able to implement one here, just as, as they're planning to do in Florida. We would love to be able to do that. 
we're nowhere near it because we have a number of rural communities that don't quite understand, I think, some of the challenges of, of, of the urban environment. Now, think about it. 50, 50 state senators, only 11 are, are Democrats. And most of those 11 either come from the, the Lake County region, which is Gary and Hammond and places like that, or Indianapolis. The rest of the state, um, the rest of the state oftentimes does not understand those challenges. And of course, we have issues with gerrymandering. So undoing the gerrymandering and trying to come up with a, a system that we will abide by that will allow for true representation of the people who are who are in our state would be a first step or a second step, something that would permit sort of an equitable distribution of those voters. It's just not going to happen yet. Why do you even like doing this? You're an architect. You're a good architect. You're building things around the world. Why would you switch to this messy, dirty, mo- rolling around with the pigs thing? Because it's about creation and creation of something that is beautiful and the belief that we can do it. The fact that the very fact that we can we can improve a life to me is is like spectacular. I, I was here in this office in the city county building last night until nine o'clock, just knowing that every 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 moment that I can take to focus on a policy or a change is going to improve somebody's life. I can't tell you why that excites me. I have no idea why that excites me. It excites you more than designing a building and seeing it go up. Uh, just a different kind of excitement. Now, I still love that. You know, I I still love creation. I think it's about creation and just knowing we can do something. We could sit here and by default, press a red button or a green button, you know, be very transactional and then go home and get paid, right? For being um, elected officials. Or we can actually do something about it. And this is the time and this is the year of all times in my entire life. And Tanya, you know, we're about the same age, right? We, we I thought you were older than me. I can't believe you're younger than me. You didn't know that, girl. No. Yeah, I started college at 17. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it just for the first time in my entire life, I see that this, uh, this opportunity, this door is open here in the United States of America, and I want to take advantage of it because we probably won't get another. And those people that I see in my own district, the impact that COVID has had, the, the, the overrepresentation of people of color in our hospitals, you know, those folks who are, 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 are frontline, how they've been impacted, the job losses. It has been tremendous for black and brown people in, in, in my city. So what can, I, you I, I can you do? You, you just said you don't have home rule. You can't even do anything. That would make me mad. Well, no, no, no. We can do it. Now, how do we not get it, get our hands slapped? That's the thing. And that's why I go back to what I said earlier. It is sitting down in a room. If there are four out of 10 folks in a room who are somewhat rational, uh, they can become allies who can then spread some of that um, uh, sort of moderate quality to maybe one or two others. So we get a majority. But what it comes the, to I want to understand the objection to a minimum wage. I want to understand. I mean, you're saying the rural people don't understand the city people need to make. I mean, to me, $15 an hour is still too low. That's okay. not enough. Of course, of course, it's 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 probably not even it's not even a livable wage. I mean, especially if you have a family, right? It's not. And I don't want to I don't want to label our folks out in you know in our rural areas as being insensitive or anything like that. There are just certain challenges that go with being in a city, um, with the density and the kind of unemployment, and then the clusters of unemployment that maybe if you don't live in that in that kind of environment, you just don't understand those challenges. And so, but I think of the Midwest as people who. 
think about taking care of their neighbors. And, you know, when I grew up, my friend in Kankakee, her family took somebody in that was homeless. My family used to take in different immigrants. Like there was this sense of you just, you have more than you need and you share it. And that's what I think of as a Midwestern kind of value. So in a way, I sort of like, it, it isn't congruous with me as a Midwesterner to think that Indianapolis don't, or Indianans don't have that sort of Midwestern sharing mm-hmm. kind of value. So mm-hmm. I just go to this kind of bigotry place. And how do you rationalize bigotry and, and just being a good neighbor? Okay, so we have this thing called who's your hospitality, right? We, we talk about it all the time. We're hospitable. We're really nice, right? Um, there is also a belief that if you're not working, it's because you probably aren't trying hard enough. So we don't want to reward you if you're not, if you're not carrying your own load. And that may be a part of the belief about sort of the urban environment here, that we've got a bunch of folks who live in these clusters, nobody's working, or a few people are working, or there's, you know, there's an outbreak of this or that that is disproportionate in that community. Well, maybe some of that might be y'all kind of making those things happen. That's when it comes back to us having an awakening that we share with, them, with, with, with those who are in the majority here in our, in, in, in our state. That some of the stuff that we're going through right now is a result of the decisions that you and your fathers and grandfathers made some generations ago. When, for example, you decided, we're going to put a red line around this community over here, and we're going to change the zoning laws because we need some places to put our new factories. And you know what? Your spot looks just delightful. Um, and no, we kind of don't want to live. We don't want you living over here because this is where we live. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, we're kind of getting used to seeing you living in these kind of conditions, and we don't want that over here. All kinds of stuff that go along those lines. There is that normalization of of racism in our state and in our city that we have to come to. That's when you can start having rational discussion. When you can show that, guys, this didn't just happen. This was. I, I, I don't see that this conversation you have is going to move me. But I think they would just sit oh, and go, oh, oh, "Look at that handsome black man. He's so he's, he's one of them nice little black men. No, he's so no, he's so oh, neat and clean. Now, if this little black man moved into our neighborhood, it would be okay. We talking about them ones over there. We don't like them that where they had them weird kind of crazy ways. This this is a nice black person. I don't have any problem with him. There may be there may be some of that 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 goes on at the end of the day. However, you cannot refute data and you cannot refute our council. First of all, first, Indiana's okay. refuting data right now. They're saying that the, the, the Indianapolis the is not. Indianapolis, we are not. Indiana the, in, is. Your state okay, is. How's this? We do not have a single elected official in, in the city of Indianapolis who is anything but a Democrat. No, we got it here. It's our job now to spread that love across the state. With so how are your electors going to go on the 14th? Well, the way they went at 6.09 p.m. when we were the first one called in the country. <laughs> <laughs> our doors closed at 6. We were, we were calling at 6.09. We ain't got to, you know, talk about not counting votes, right? We didn't even have to count votes here. It was just, listen, don't just, just can we just give it to that 6.09 just so it looks credible? You know what I'm saying? Um, so... Uh, our electors, all 11 electors, are going to go for Donald uh, J. Trump. There's no two ways about that. That was predicted long, long ago. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And, and, and is that because the majority of the population of the state, so Indianapolis is not the majority population of the state? No. Our state has just under 7 million people. Indianapolis has just under 1 million people. So we are basically one-seventh of the size of the state. And what about Gary? Gary's got to be a big black state, big park, big black city. It is. I mean, Gary and uh, the Northwest region uh, probably have altogether uh, close to a million. No, no, that's not, uh, that's, that's, that's not right. Between 500 and, uh, 500 and 750,000 individuals. I mean, you aggregate them all together. But, but then you've got the rest of, of the state. Five-sevenths of the state is not part of that pocket. And so five-sevenths of the state basically still moves policy. I just go back to this, Tanya. We have to have those th- those 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 straight up conversations that we gotta normalize. We got a racist country. And well bring me in. You know I'll have some straight up conversations. I know you will honey. So, so, so now when I need a nuclear weapon, I'm calling you, right? But until until as long as conventional warfare can at least get us to the table. We ain't trying to blow some stuff up. <laughs> right? You know, that's that's the way we work here in Indianapolis. Let's, let's at least, uh, let's get conventional warfare. Let's get it back to the table, you know, stand on your arms. But that conventional warfare can be slow. It does, yeah. It's, it's, but you know what? Something else, too. Something else we learned this year. I learned this year. We moved so fast in the city of Indianapolis to move that those COVID dollars to stand up those COVID dollars for, we moved like millions of dollars, for example, of small businesses, right? Through our Chamber of Commerce, 75% of those dollars went to black and women-owned businesses, 75%. Because we've started this discussion right now that others are buying into, that it's not, we need to look, in fact, intentionally for opportunities to help companies that have a history of being in distress that are from communities that historically have been distressed. And if we're not doing it intentionally, then we need to be doing it intentionally. And we had 75% of those dollars. We weren't playing. And we got that stood up in a matter of weeks. The chamber got on board in a matter of weeks. You know, we approved that, you know, those dollars with those caveats. You have got to have the outreach to those communities in the, in the city of Indianapolis, where you know we have businesses, where they're the most challenging. Challenge. So where is your COVID surge happening right now? Uh, around the state. So we're at about a 14% positivity rate. Um, you know, Indianapolis had kept it low um, up until about a week or two before Thanksgiving. We were, you know, in the 5 to 6% in Indianapolis. 
but the rest of our state right now, and I, I think we're probably at you know nine or ten or eleven. I, I don't I don't know our local numbers this week, but the state of Indiana as a total um, is fourteen percent, and you know, South Dakota was the number one state per capita, you know, for COVID. I think we might have just edged them out. This is not the place where I want us to be number one, right? But we had done well, and our governor had been, I think, wise and, and sensible in, in the precautions that were required. Um, but folks haven't taken it seriously. Folks have not. So what do you do about that as a politician? How do you get people to take it seriously? And how do you get people, especially brown people, to even consider a vaccine, taking a vaccine when, you know, medical apartheid is just the history of America? Um, you have to do, you have to have the folks in, in, in leadership, folks who are trusted, uh, take it as an example. You just have to. You just I don't have trust to. nobody. I ain't taking no, I'm not taking no vaccine. Yeah, I know. I don't know what's in it. I know something is killing. I got friends who say they don't believe in COVID. I'm saying it, it don't matter if you believe in it, it's killing people. I don't, I just know I don't want to get it. I don't want to get it in a vaccine either. Uh, I'm going to take the vaccine when it becomes available. And, you know, whenever it becomes available, and I know that we've taken care of our first responders, our elderly, you know, those who, who are in communities that otherwise would have been ignored. You know, are you giving it to your wife and children too? Uh, yes, I would plan to. Yes, I definitely would. Um, the the okay. few things I heard about today were just, you know, allergic reactions in the UK. Uh, but we're not even sure kind of uh, sort of what the underlying issues were. I mean, there are no preservatives in, you know, in, 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 in these vaccines. There are no animal products in these vaccines. It could have just been something that was co-occurring. But, but nonetheless, uh, I would take it, yes. Well, I mean, but the fact is, I was talking to someone from one of the big testing labs, and they say that the proportion of brown and Latina people that are uh, dying of COVID is not explained by comorbidities or lack of access to health care, that there is something else going on with COVID in, in the black and brown community. You're talking about uh, genetically? So at the cellular level, I know they're starting to investigate whether there's something genetic going on. So a vaccine that's simulating it, you know, uh, that doesn't seem that doesn't sound like a good plan for me. Yeah, but I do believe that comorbidity plays a large role in this. I mean, there's some genetic factors that there's just some some, you know, some some current health factors that have been generational that make us far more vulnerable. I mean, you know, but, you know, my aunt Joyce, you know, my aunt Joyce, her son, of Michael. Course. Yeah, her son Michael went in for a job, and um, they tested him for the job, and he had active asymptomatic COVID. He was fine, but you know who many? Who knows who he spread it to? I was sharing that with someone. They said they didn't even believe such a thing existed. Yeah. So the disinformation, I, I just you know, I, I my, don't, my, I don't my, have a lot of faith, Bob. Well, my, you're enthusiastic. You're passionate. I know you could sell a bear's fur off of him, but I, I believe in the stuff, and I know that we can get it done. Um, if I didn't believe it, uh, I, I should not. People don't. I just. It's what gets me up in the morning. To be frank with you, it does. It is what gets me up in the morning. Not always happily, but it's what gets me up in the morning. But this this example you just gave, my fraternity brother is the health commissioner for Gary. He brought his mom and dad up from Mississippi. Um, because he, you know, he wasn't sure about the healthcare there. You know, he, both he and his wife are physicians. It ended up, he was asymptomatic and gave it to both his parents. His mother ended up having, you know, two strokes because of it. I mean, it's just, it was, he, he was covered in the New York times, in fact. And I feel for him just because of that. You, do, you don't know, but it is real and it is out there. And at least I would, I think that folks who look at A physician, at me, asymptomatic. So he gave it to his parents, but not to his wife. Did he give it to other pa patients? I, I don't know. I don't know. We just know he's confident that he was responsible for his parents getting it. 
And the, to be the health commissioner, the irony of it, the health commissioner himself, and not even knowing that he had it. So he was getting te- tested regularly, but between those tests is when he found out. And yeah, it's scary. See, now this to me feels like this should have been the national news and that alone should have made all of Indiana go, we're wearing our masks. Oh, hon. Okay, what did I just tell you? So five-sevenths of our state, right, is red. You think, okay, no, I'm not going to- Your health my- commissioner got had, had asymptomatic COVID. What, I'm assuming he's white. No, no, this is the Gary health commissioner. No, he's black. He's not white? Oh, okay, well, maybe that's why they wouldn't believe him. <laughs> No, for a lot of people, it's just not real. It's just, uh, it's a hoax. This is what disinformation from the top looks like. When you deny something that you know is real, and then the people who look up to you as an example decide that they're going to follow you. How can you stay happy? Why aren't you enraged and screaming and like, ah! I've I've already done that. I've already done it. And it it didn't move. It didn't get me to, um, to action. It just enraged me. And it's like, I, it's better if I just keep a cool head and work as coolly as I possibly can in a rational manner with those people who make decisions. Yes, you've always been good at that, Bob. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I lose my temper, then I don't get anything done. It just it just causes me to like, I just I can't get it done. So I've I have seen that temper, I do know. So yeah, oh yeah, oh, okay, we're going there. <laughs> So it's just, if I want to make progress and hope that we can make progress with, with you know, with, with allies or future allies, then it's got to be in this rational means of having that discussion and then putting the facts out and then letting someone who doesn't want to believe the facts defend the old system. And it's really hard to defend something when the facts are right there and the impact of those decisions are right in front of you. Well, you're passionate, you're attractive, you're articulate, you're intelligent. You're talented. I'm I'm betting on you for the mayor of Indianapolis, but oh, I, I think you got to go higher. Oh, now, I, you know, I man. never fully understood what happened with your um, secretary of state run. Oh, yes, that's right. I was a Democratic nominee for secretary of state 2010. Actually, you know, it's funny. Um, Pete Buttigieg was the was the treasurer candidate. So we ran on the same ticket. Um, my ticket got challenged. We challenged the guy who won. Because he committed vote fraud. Now, how about this? How about the irony of this? The Secretary of State is the chief elections officer. The guy who ran for it on the Republican side won and was charged and convicted of six felonies for vote fraud. How about that? So we took it to the Supreme Court. And by the time, so it, it, it's an election that just wouldn't stop, right? So the election, election was November 2010. We were still in court, in the Supreme Court, as of February 2012. Um, so he was removed from office. By state statute, I was then to be the next Secretary of State. So for one brief shining moment, I was technically the, the, the Secretary of State. But my colleagues on the other side of the aisle said, yeah, we don't think so. Not today, <laughs> right? <laughs> And let's not worry about the Court of Appeals. Let's just take a straight to the Supreme Court. Um, and so the court, as opposed to following um, what had been the state norm, decided to give it to the governor to make the selection. The time, there was something about the time issue. 
And it was. You, a- and you didn't think this was some racist shit? You wasn't like screaming racist, racist, racist? Like, you know, I my voice is a little deeper than when you knew me back in college. And it came from having ripped probably a lot of vocal cords. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was like, I think most of the folks who followed politics in those days were... They made some new rules so you could not be the Secretary of State. Yeah, the governor made the selection. The Republican governor was given the opportunity to make the selection then in uh, in that race. How about that? That was I admire your tenacity, your positivity. Like, I feel like that's what I'm doing with this movie. People throw stones in your path, you pick it up. So clearly you are loving it. You are doing what you are supposed to be doing. And I, I'm just grateful to you for coming and spending the time to talk with me. My next movie, I'm gonna I'm a shoot in Africa. I wanna shoot on the African continent. Okay, well, I wanna be part of it. And I wanna- You gonna hook, you gonna hook me up? You got some African connections to hook me up to make I, my movie over there? I think I might know one or two people. I think I'm okay, because um, I actually, OK Africa and OK Play are probably going to want to do a profile on you, you know, about Red Pill. And then I want to make my next movie in Madagascar. It's my oh, spider movie. My, my spider movie. My I spider horror movie. I've been there. It's beautiful. Yeah. I've never been there. They got the, the golden orb weaver spider. And I want to make my spider movie there. Oh, I love it. I love it. So it's an honor. And I always have a blast being around you. You are just like, <laughs> you, realize, you know, it's, you know how long it's been, right? It has been 40 years. You know that, right? Yes, yeah, it's been 40 years. And you still it's look the same. Uh, you know, yeah, about 100 pounds fatter. <laughs> you look the same, same beautiful sculptural body. No one can see us. They can just hear us having this wonderful conversation. But um, actually, I Sarah Stengel uh, did a podcast with me um, talking about why she, she, when I talk about white people, I'm not talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> As white as she is, with that white hair and white skin. <laughs> Did she mean that? Did she? Was, she no, was we both saying. mean that. I do mean that because Sarah is. You know, I I don't know if you've ever seen my race cards, but Sarah designed the race cards that I had when we were doing Rashida speaking. So she's, talented. you know, that's my. She's still my girl. Yeah, me and she's Sarah. Something. She's something. Well, I'm going to let you get back to running the world in Indianapolis and making the play, world a better place for um, for the people of Indianapolis. I truly admire your your passion and your positivity. This is Tanya Pinkins. Thank you. Uh, you're listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals. And our recording producer today is Brittany Bigelow. Uh, thank you for listening and stay safe, wear a mask, stay safe, wives. Thanks for listening to You Can't Say That, the show where you can. I'm Tanya Pinkins, and You Can't Say That is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Derek Gunther, with music by Kat Dale. If you like what you hear, Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast highly wherever you stream. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Tanya Pinkins. And to learn more, visit bpn.fm forward slash YCST. Stay safe.
You is kind. You is smart. You is important. You is dead. Tanya Pinkin's horror film, Red Pill, brings African-American perspective to progressive movement. We are a majority in this country. And we're going to win the election. Do you know what the red pill is? A red pill is someone who infiltrates a group and then destroys them from the inside. This place is spooky. Some people like to live dangerously. Gas, why are you so jumpy tonight? You know what, guys? I'm going to go back tomorrow. Did you hear about the creature woman that attacked a father and son hunting down here? I don't see the case. This place creeps me out. I think we should call the sheriff's office. The only people missing or dead are brown people. They're after all of us. What do we do, Amelia? We die. But we take some of them with us. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.